What's up, you guys? I'm Haley. And I'm Andrea. And this is Inhuman, a true crime podcast. Welcome back, everybody. Happy Monday for listening to this on the day it releases. Hope you guys had a good weekend and here's to a good week ahead. Yeah. I'm just going to dive right into this case and not say anything else. Okay. (laughs) It was a warm summer day in South Australia. Jim Beaumont returned. Did you hear that? What was that? The dog? That was Luca running into the door because Robert's playing fetch with him. (laughs) like that sounded like somebody just was like (laughs) i don't even want to edit that out that was so funny (laughs) okay jim beaumont returned home from a sales trip he had been on for the last day and he was expecting to see his wife and kids at home but when he got home his wife nancy told him that their kids nine-year-old jane seven-year-old arna and four-year-old grant hadn't yet come home from the beach Earlier on January 26th, and remember, this is Australia, so January is summertime. Right. (laughs) The three kids had taken a five-minute bus ride from their home at 109 Harding Street to Glenelg Beach. This beach was a popular spot among kids and others in the summertime, and the kids had wanted to go back to the beach to beat the heat as they had the day before. Nancy had expected them to come home on either the 12 o'clock or 2 p.m. bus, like normal, but they hadn't. Worried, Jim got into his car and drove straight to the beach looking for the kids, but they weren't there. Nancy and Jim then visited some of their friends' and neighbors' houses to see if the kids were there, but no one had seen them. And what year is this? 1966. Okay, okay. Just wanted a little context. (laughs) How easy it is to communicate and find people. Yeah. Yeah. So not easy. No cell phones. No like, hey, call up the kids and see where they're at. No tracking. Yeah. A long time ago. Okay. By 5.30 p.m., the couple were headed to the Glenelg Police Station to report their young children missing. This is the story of the disappearance of the Beaumont children who have been missing for over 57 years. Such a crazy case. Oh, my gosh. This case was suggested by Elise and Amy, among other anonymous listeners. So thank you all for the suggestion. I was really excited to dive into this case because I've like heard the story before, Mm -hmm. but definitely didn't know all the details. So it's, it's a pretty wild one. Yeah. Grant, Jim Beaumont and Nancy Ellis married in December, 1955 in South Australia. Jim and Nancy had their first child, Jane Beaumont on September 10th, 1956. Arna was born on November 11th, 1958, and Grant was born on July 12th, 1961. In January 1966, the family was living at 109 Harding Street in Somerton Park, which is a suburb of Adelaide in South Australia. Jim was a former serviceman and was working as a driver for suburban taxis as Nancy raised the kids at home. January 1966 was a very warm summer in South Australia, And one thing the kids liked to do was to go spend time at Glenelg Beach. Yeah. 
And this beach is a huge tourist destination and is very popular among locals. So in the summertime, there were always lots of people there. Sounds fun. And this is just like a fun fact that I found really interesting. The town of Glenelg was established in 1836 and is the oldest European settlement on mainland South Australia. Oh, really? That's yeah. That is really interesting. So just kind of cool. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and today there's, you know, attractions, hotels, restaurants, and then the beautiful beach. This beach was just three kilometers, which is less than two miles from the Beaumont's home. On January 25th, before leaving on his business trip, Jim had brought the kids to the beach. They had a good time. So the next day they wanted to go back again. It was too hot to walk that morning, so they caught a bus at 8.45 a.m., and they took the five short, the short five-minute ride to the beach. Okay. It would later be discovered that the children were seen by several witnesses at the beach that day, and we'll talk about that more in a little bit. Okay. Nancy began to worry when Jane, Arna, and Grant were at home on the 12 o'clock noon bus as they had planned, and then they also didn't come home on the next bus at the 2 o'clock bus. So by 3 p.m., when Jim got home, they began searching for the kids. Like I said, by 5.30 p.m., when there was no sign of the kids at the beach or any friends, neighbors' houses, nowhere, they went to the police. And a search of Glen Oak Beach and the surrounding areas began immediately. Initially, they were operating under the assumption that the kids had lost track of time and they were somewhere around the beach just having fun and they had like lost track of time and not gone home. Which makes sense. I mean, they're pretty young, so... But they're also, like, the kids raised in that time period were, I think, pretty responsible because they kind of had to, like, take care of themselves. Yeah. Yeah, and that's just what they did. And, like, it's 1966. If you don't have a cell phone to check the time, like, you're just having fun and you lose track of time. That wouldn't be that. Come home by dark. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) But unfortunately, the kids were nowhere. They started searching sand hills and the ocean, along with inside of nearby buildings. And not long into the search, it changed from the kids having lost track of time to either them having had an accident or possibly being abducted. Within 24 hours, basically all of Australia was aware of the, these missing kids. Wow. So searches continued and they tried to talk to witnesses and figure out who might have seen them, try to track their movements and see where they went. A witness told police that she had spoken with three children around 7 p.m. at the Padawalonga Boat Haven, which was near the beach. She said the children she spoke to were similar to the description of the Beaumont children. So because of this statement, the authorities started searching the haven and they actually drowned, drowned, drained the entire haven and the area was searched, but nothing was found. Hmm. And this is like considered, I think, a decently credible witness statement, but it's also not 100% confirmed that she for sure spoke to the Beaumont children. Right. Because this was at 7 p.m. after searches had been done already by like the parents and the police were already getting involved. Right. So she might have spoken to other children. It's not like 100% confirmed that she spoke to the Beaumont children. Yeah. Which would be a huge coincidence, like three little kids matching that description, but... I yeah, mean, but it's really also like, been... you know, that time kids are at the beach, like yeah. two young girls and a young boy. I could yeah. see how it could be confusing. Yeah. Now, there was a prime suspect in a case in the case, 
This was a man seen talking to the children during the day by several witnesses. So this man was described as tall with a thin to athletic build build, and a suntanned complexion. He had fair to light brown hair and appeared to be in his mid-30s. He was wearing swim trunks and the children were seen playing with this man and it witnesses described that the kids seemed to be like relaxed and enjoying themselves, not like distressed. Okay. One woman saw the children run up from swimming in the ocean, rinsing off in the sprinklers. And I'll post a map on our Instagram and Facebook because there's a lot of different places I'm going to reference and you'll get kind of a visual. And Andrea, I'll send that to you right now so that you can follow along with what I'm describing because it can get very confusing. So they were seen at the beach, which is like point B on the map. And then they were seen running up to the sprinklers, which is point uh, D D on the map. And they were then with the man there. Okay. The man had reportedly laid out his towel before the children arrived and was closely watching them play And then they began playing with this man and they at one point were playing with him in the grassy area near the beach location D on the map. Okay. The other D there's two D's. Yeah. I was thinking, I think one's supposed to be, well, I guess, yeah, there is an A up there, but yeah, I saw there's two D's. I was like, yeah, okay. (laughs) But they're labeled as sprinklers and then the grassy area. Right. Okay. At one point, this man actually talked to one of the witnesses asking if anyone had been near his and the children's belongings because the kid's money was missing. Hmm. So he reportedly said to this witness, did any of you people see anyone with our clothes? And when they, you know, they said, no, we didn't see anything. And when asked why he said, we've had some money taken from our clothes. That's interesting that he's like grouping himself with together with these children. Yeah. That are not his at all. Yeah. So the couple told him no, and then the man went back to the kids where he reportedly helped them dress, which the couple thought was weird as at least Jane seemed old enough to, like, change herself. Yeah. (laughs) So a little bizarre, but, you know, they don't know the dynamic, so they're kind of just going with it. Yeah. The kids and the man then left for the man to change at location G on the map. There were, like bathroom changing room areas right this was the collie reserve changing sheds and they all went over there and the children waited outside while the man presumably went inside and changed okay they then walked away from the beach and the witnesses presumed that this was around 12 15 p.m and said that they were walking in the direction of the bus stop okay The children were seen around 12.20 or 12.30 at Wenzel's Bakery, which is point E on the map. Okay. And workers knew the kids because they had been there before. And they reported that Jane bought a meat pie and some pastries, buns, and soda with a one pound note. And were they still with the man at this point? Yes, but the man was outside. He didn't go into the bakery. Okay. But interestingly, she asked for the meat pie in a separate bag. And this was different because, like I said, the shopkeeper knew the kids and they had never purchased a meat pie before. So it's presumed that this was like for the man. Right. Because they had never bought it before. She asked for it in a separate bag. 
you know. Yeah. The shopkeeper said in the past they had also usually been given six shillings and six pence, enough for bus fare and lunch, but they never paid with a one pound note, which is what they paid with this day. Hmm. Now, Jim and Nancy, after hearing these witness accounts, said that this seemed extremely out of character for their kids. They said that Jane in particular was very shy, so them talking and playing so eagerly with a stranger was not like them. Mm. Investigators theorized that they had maybe met this man at the beach before and were like comfortable with him as they'd grown to trust him. So right. maybe they had played with him before and like over time they started to trust him. And so that's why they weren't so shy. So comfortable around him, yeah. And apparently Arna, the middle daughter, had recently mentioned to her mom that Jane had a boyfriend down at the beach. Now, um. Nancy ignored this at first, just thinking she meant like a playmate, like didn't think mm-hmm. anything much of it. But now that they were missing and were seen with this older man, Nancy wondered if that's who Arna had been talking about. My God, I hope not. <laughs> I know. Now, investigators had no clue who this man was, but he was their prime suspect. Many people saw him with the kids, so it wasn't like it was one account. It was very clear that this man had been with the kids that day. Now, a local resident reported seeing the Beaumont children around 3 p.m. the day after they disappeared, walking with a man. She described this man as about six feet, aged from 30 to 35, with light brown hair, parted noticeably on the left, high cheekbones, sun sun reddened complexion and medium build she said the man carried an airlines bag which was similar to one owned by jane beaumont oh no there was another sighting of the kids on january 26th walking alone around 3 p.m away from the beach and in the general direction of their home the witness who saw them was a postman in the area and knew the three children well and he reported that the kids were holding hands and laughing But he later changed his statement and clarified that he had actually seen them in the morning, not in the afternoon, which made more sense as to why, like, they didn't seem like they were in a rush. Because if it was around 3 p.m., it'd be like they're rushing to get home. Right. But he's like, actually, shoot, that was in the morning. So that made more sense to investigators. So they had all of these witness statements, these sightings, but authorities had no clue where the children were. There was a sketch made of the man, and that was shared worldwide, but unfortunately, police had no real leads as to who he was, and nobody could identify him. That's crazy, too, because, like, so many people saw him. Mm -hmm. Like, they should have had a perfect description. Like, you would think somebody maybe just wasn't from the area? I don't know. Yeah, Yeah, and that's kind of what some people thought, because it's like, they did have a good sketch of him, but it just, nobody recognized him or, like, could identify him. And the kids remain missing. A few months after the Beaumont children went missing, a woman reported something that she had seen the night the kids disappeared. She said a man with two girls and a boy entered a neighboring house that she believed was empty. She later saw the boy walking along the road when he was chased and roughly caught by the man. She said the next morning, the house appeared to be deserted again, and she never saw the man or children again. So this sighting and others that have happened over the years have never been confirmed by police. 
Yeah. And unfortunately, as time has passed, it became presumed that Jane, Arna, and Grant had been abducted and murdered. In November 1966, so a couple months later, right, or 10 months later, I guess, <laughs> um, a Dutch psychic named Gerard, Gerard Croisset went to Australia to try to find the children. And he identified a spot at a warehouse near the Beaumont's home where he believed their bodies had been buried. The people who owned the property at first were reluctant to allow excavation just based on like a psychic's claim. Yeah. But yeah. the public helped raise $40,000 to fund the excavation. So wow. the people who live there agreed. That's wild. But nothing was found. There were no remains, no evidence. Nothing was found. All right. Well, thanks for wasting everybody's time and money. <laughs> yeah. And even further, 30 years later, the building was undergoing a partial demolition and the owners allowed authorities to do a full search of the site again. Yeah. And once again, there was no evidence that was found. Okay. So the psychic's efforts were unsuccessful and his story reportedly changed from day to day and ended up really offering no real clues as to where the kids were. I hate that. Like, what do you gain from that? I mean... I know. I definitely believe some people have, you know, the ability to sense and feel and maybe even see things. But I think a lot of people are just trying to gain something, some self-righteousness. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'll always go back to the psychic who told Amanda Berry's mom that she was dead. And then Amanda Berry's mom died thinking she was dead. Like, how messed up is that? So I know. So yeah, the the psychic, nothing came of it. Okay. And then there were the hoax letters. I know. So fucked up. Like, these poor parents. So about two years after the disappearance, Nancy and Jim received two letters. One that was written by Jane and one written by a man who said he was keeping the children. Jane's note was brief and described a relatively pleasant life she was living with, quote, the man who was keeping her and her siblings. This letter was compared to former writings by Jane, and it did seem like the handwriting could be authentic and it could be from her. Mm -hmm. The letter from the man said that he appointed himself guardianship of the children, but was now willing to give them back to their parents. Oh, well, thank you so much, sir. (laughs) <laughs> so, so kind. he told them in the letter a meeting place to meet up so they they could get their children's back children back and the beaumonts went there they were followed by a detective obviously but mm-hmm. no one was there and no one showed up okay a third letter came a while later from jane okay saying that the man had noticed the detective and decided to keep the children since the beaumonts betrayed his trust what? Yeah. <laughs> okay. So obviously these letters are not believed to be true. Really? Yeah. Yeah. And they couldn't find any leads on like where these letters came from, who wrote them. Yeah. And then in 1992, like almost 30 years later, the letters were examined by updated forensic technology and they were able to find a fingerprint on the letters and match it to a 41 year old man who was a teenager at the time the letters were written. And kidding? he admitted to writing the letters as a joke. He wrote both like all of the letters. All of them. Yep. What a 
Isn't that I hope sick? they prosecuted him. I don't care if he was a teenager. They he should he deserves to be prosecuted. I'm sorry. Yeah, that's so messed up. It's like not only is it like morally not okay and ethically not okay, but you also like wasted investigation time and money and like hope to this family because I mean we don't really know what happened obviously but that gives them hope that their kids are still alive and they can be found which they I mean they they could still have that hope but that's like solidifying it yeah I guess they're still alive yeah exactly it was so messed up In 1986, authorities found three suitcases in a residential garbage can that were filled with newspaper clippings about the children's disappearance. Hmm. So there were apparently lines and headlines crossed out and comments were written among the stories like not in the sand hills in a sewage drain and like things like that comments about like, oh, this is wrong. Really following the case and like investigating on their own or maybe had inside information Information. yeah exactly and this did look like a promising lead at first but eventually it was discovered that these belonged to an amateur sleuth who had passionately followed the case for years and when she passed away her relatives just like threw everything out because Uh, they were like we don't want this that like makes me sad i know so unfortunately that led nowhere yeah so now we're going to go through several of the potential suspects that have been identified over the years but just know from now that no one has ever been charged in connection to the disappearance of the beaumont children okay and we will get to uh, a very basically who many people believe did it okay so there is a very promising suspect but i want to go through some of the other ones first okay So first up is a man named Bevan Spencer von Einem. He was sentenced to life in prison in 1984 for murdering 15-year-old Richard Kelvin. And prosecutors have said that they believe he was involved in other murders. After his conviction, investigators suspected his possible involvement in the Beaumont case because he was actually known to go to Glenelg Beach to, quote, perv on the changing rooms. Ew. And people who knew him described him as preoccupied with children. Ew. I know. To be known by that, that is so... Disgusting. Yuck. Yeah. As police were investigating Von Eymann's involvement in the Beaumont case, an informant actually came forward with some information. So this informant, who was identified as Mr. B, told investigators that he had a conversation with Von Eymann in which Von Eymann had bragged about taking three children from a beach to conduct experiments. Okay. Von Eymann reportedly told Mr. B that he, quote, performed brilliant surgery on each of them and had connected them up. (gasps) Yeah, he said one of the children had died during the procedure, so he killed the other two and dumped their bodies in the bushland south of Adelaide. Oh my god. Now, this informant was regarded as a reliable source by the Adelaide police because he had previously given other important information during the investigation into Von Eymann murdering Richard Kelvin. Yeah. So they were like, this is a good possibility. 
The biggest thing going against Bevin, Bevin Spencer von Eymann as a suspect is that he was younger than the man seen with the kids on the beach that day. He was 20 or 21 at the time. Okay. Well, I mean, I feel like that's kind of relative because some people, people can look, look especially if he was sunburned. Like, sounds yeah. like he had like been in the sun a lot. So maybe his yeah. face is a little age due to that <laughs> yeah, but <laughs> yeah and it's not like it's a I'm difference saying, of like, like a kid versus like a grown-ass right adult. Like, right 20 and 30 like, you could look 30 similar. yeah i mean people still yeah. tell me i look 21 and i definitely am not 21. <laughs> okay maybe i'm maybe i'm being a little facetious on the 21 25 you totally <laughs> <look> 21. <laughs> thanks <laughs> but uh vine vine Von Eymann has never been like officially charged, but also hasn't been ruled out as a suspect. Okay. And as of 2014, which is the most recent time anyone has like talked about his potential involvement, it's basically said that he's not been ruled out and that he remains in prison for the other murder. And so, mm-hmm. you know, they can't definitively rule him out, yeah. but they also can't link him. Yeah. That's frustrating. Next up is Arthur Stanley Brown, a man charged with the 1970 murder of two young girls in Townsville, Queensland. He was charged and tried in 1998, but his Mm -hmm. trial was delayed as his lawyer filed for him to be unfit to be tried. And he was found to have Alzheimer's and dementia, and he was never retried, and he ended up Mm -hmm. passing away in 2002. Now, he was considered in a suspect a suspect for this case because his appearance was similar to the suspect seen with the Beaumont ch- children. Okay. And he had been charged with killing two young girls. So even though he'd never been convicted, he was charged of it. And he only wasn't convicted because he was found unfit to stand trial and then passed away before they could yeah, make a change. However, they were unable co- to connect him to the Adelaide area and employment records from the time weren't able to link him to the area. Now it is believed that some of the records were lost in the 1974 Brisbane flood. And it's possible that because Brown had access to government buildings through his work, he could have gone in and destroyed files. True. Okay. But while he matched the description of the man, he would have been 53 at the time, older than the prime suspect. (laughs) And again, Age is relative, but... That's a big jump, though. <laughs> yeah, I think yeah. he... Even though he's, like, not technically been officially ruled out, I don't think anybody really thinks that he's a good suspect in this case. Okay. Derek Ernest per- Percy was a convicted killer who was a likely suspect for several unsolved children murders, including the Beaumont children. Mm-hmm. He was charged in 1969 with the murder of Yvonne Tuhoy, and in that trial, he ended up entering an insanity plea. This was based on his suffering a psychological condition that prevented him from remembering details of his actions. Well, that's convenient. What what's what's that in the the textbooks? What's mm-hmm. that called? <laughs> yeah. So it's believed that he once indicated that he may have killed the Beaumont children because he was in the area at the time, but he couldn't remember any of the details. Now, he was only 17 at the time, 
So he was younger than the suspect. Mm -hmm. And he actually remained in prison for other crimes that he was convicted of from 1969 until his death in 2013. And it seems like by all accounts, he has been ruled out as a suspect in the Beaumont children case. Okay. Alan Anthony Monroe committed several child sex offenses in 1962. And eventually in 2017, he was arrested and pled guilty. Jeez. He was sentenced to just 10 years in prison. Wow. For how many? Just like several. I don't don't know. Multiple. Okay. Mm -hmm. Wow. Only 10 years. Hmm. Yeah. That's pathetic. Yeah. Now, he was a businessman and he was connected to the Beaumont children's disappearance by another man. Alan McIntyre had been investigated himself and cleared. And in 2015, McIntyre reported that he that a man he had known in 1966 had come to his home with three children's bodies in the trunk of his car, who at the time he believed to be the Beaumont children. So McIntyre's children said that they and their father initially thought Arna was a boy because of her short haircut. So that was something that kind of like stuck out to investigators because Arna did have a short haircut. So they thought it was like two boys and a girl at first. So in uh, 2015, Monroe was being investigated in Asia in connection with other child abuse cases there. And in 2017, detectives were given a copy of a child's diary written in 1966. And the account in the diary placed Monroe around Glenelg Beach in 1966. So that was kind of another thing placing him there. He had been investigated by police, but they have not been able to physically connect him to the case. He became eligible for parole last year in 2022, but from everything I can find, he's still in prison. And he's another one that hasn't been fully ruled out, but also can't be definitively connected. Yeah. I mean, without any DNA evidence, it's, I mean, they can't really. There's not much they can do. Yeah. Yeah. So the final suspect that we'll discuss is the most likely and the most talked about suspect, a man named Harry Phipps. So Phipps grew up in Glenelg Beach, and he was a businessman and factory owner in the area. First of all, Phipps fits the description of the man seen with Jane Arna and Grant on the afternoon in 1966. And he looks strikingly similar to the sketch. And one of the photos that I'll be posting on Instagram and Facebook is a comparison of him to the sketch. And he definitely... He definitely looks like the sketch a little bit. Okay. He fit the age range. And he was known for giving out one pound notes to kids in the 1960s. Okay. And if you remember, when Jane was at the bakery, she paid Mm -hmm. with a one pound note, which was not normal for her. Right. He lived 200 meters, which is less than a quarter mile away from Wenzel's Bakery where Jane was buying the lunch with the note, with a one pound note. Yeah. And he also lived 190 meters, less than 600 feet, less than 650 feet away from the Collie Reserve, where the man was seen playing with the kids that day. Wow. 
Now, reportedly, Harry Phipps raped and sodomized a 14-year-old girl in the 1970s. Another individual came forward in 2019 alleging sexual abuse when they were a minor against Harry Phipps. And he was never convicted of either of these crimes, but it's believed that both accounts were extremely uh, credible. Now, Hayden Phipps, Harry's oldest son, was 15 when the Beaumont children disappeared. Hayden gave an interview to a former South Australian police detective, Bill Hayes, after his father passed away in 2004. So unfortunately, Harry Phipps is no longer alive. But and so that's kind of one of the reasons they can't say for sure he did it. Right. But Hayden gave this interview after his father passed away and He said that he had decided to speak to police after his second wife, Angela, encouraged him to. Angela recalled that they were watching TV one night when something came on about the Beaumont kids and reportedly Hayden said to her, I always thought Harry had something to do with that. Hmm. So that's why he decided to speak to police. And he also spoke um, or that's why he decided to speak to police. And while the entirety of the interview has never been released, there are some very telling parts that happen okay so hayden reported seeing the beaumont children in his backyard on january 26th 1966 now that day happened to be australia day that year and hayden specifically remembered that day because of how hot the day was like it was such a hot summer day okay he recalled that the kids were talking with his father and they went inside the house and never came out Mm. Hayden was in the backyard for a while and then went inside to see what was going on. And he said when he went inside, the front door was open. So he assumed that they left through that door. And Hayden said he hadn't heard any like screaming or shouting, but he did hear four gunshots. But he said that his dad was always shooting guns. So it wasn't that odd. Like it wasn't the weirdest thing that he heard the gunshots. In the house though? Yeah, I guess his dad was always... (laughs) Just shooting Doing anywhere. Shit like that. Yeah. <laughs> okay. But now, like, looking back on it as an adult and, like, knowing these kids disappeared, he right. kind of was like, mm, this is interesting. Yeah. Hayden later saw his father loading what looked like surfboard covers into the trunk of his car, which, again, wasn't unusual because his dad would apparently use covers to carry things all the time. But yeah. now, looking back, it's suspicious. Yeah. Hayden reported that Harry Phipps then left the house driving that car. So Hayden said that his father was a very violent man and never went anywhere without a pistol. To others, Harry Phipps was a friendly, funny businessman, but to his family, he was different. Harry reportedly admitted to Hayden on several occasions that he was obsessed with women's clothing. And it is reported that when he was wearing satin, Phipps couldn't control himself sexually. When he himself was wearing satin? Mm-hmm. So he would, like, wear women's mm-hmm. um, undergarments and then commit mm-hmm. vile acts? Yeah. So That's Hayden remembered being young and hearing his father walk down the hall wearing satin, like hearing the swishing of the satin. Ew. And knowing that his father was coming to sexually abuse him. Oh, my God. 
and the Hayden said that this happened these people? about three times a week until he was 14 years old when he was big and strong enough to protect himself that's so awful now there's no physical proof of any of this but Hayden's statement has been deemed truthful by statement analysis experts and his wife Angela also kind of corroborated this and said yes Hayden has told me this before yeah I believe it to be truthful Hayden Phipps unfortunately passed away in 2014 But in 2013, there was a break in the case. Now, apparently in January 1966, Harry Phipps hired two teenage boys to dig a hole the size of a grave at the back of his factory, which was not far from Glen Elk. David Harkin and his older brother lived near Phipps' factory and would often do odd jobs around town for people, especially in the summertime. Mm -hmm. They clearly remembered the holiday weekend of Australia Day 1966 again because of how hot it was. They said that a well-dressed businessman approached them and asked them to dig a hole by Sunday night. He offered them good money, which was appreciated by 17-year-old Robin, who was saving for his first car. So Robin and David rode their bikes to the factory, picked up the shovels. The man showed them where to dig the hole. And they remembered that he wanted it to be six feet long, three yards wide, and about six and a half feet deep. So definitely the shape of a grave. Yeah. David recalls that the man was insistent on the hole being that side and that it had to have straight sides. They remembered that the man would watch, hang around and watch as they dug, but then would leave and come back. Okay. After they dug the hole... The boys were paid in one pound notes and told, quote, fuck off, you little blanks, and never come back. Wow. Okay. Mm-hmm. Thanks. Yeah. I mean, at least he paid him, I guess, but, uh, geez. Yeah. So in November 2013, when more of this about, you know, Hayden doing that interview and Harry Phipps being a potential suspect came out, David and Robin came forward. And it never occurred to them at the time that what they were doing was digging what could be a grave or that it could be connected to the missing Beaumont children. But apparently one evening, David was watching a documentary at home when they named the factory Phipps owned as a potential site of interest in the case. And that's when he kind of made the connection. So David and Robin came forward and they ended up um, excavating the back of this factory. Now, nothing was found, but the Harkins believed that the area they had excavated was not where they had actually dug the hole. They couldn't remember? Well, they they remembered where they dug the hole, but they came across an aerial image that was taken of the factory in the 60s. And it showed that the gate the Harkins and police used as a landmark to where the hole was had since been moved. So because the gate had been moved, they were like, oh, it's in this direction from the gate, but that gate was in a different place than it was in the 60s. All right. Another part of the property was excavated in 2018, and they started testing the soil to try to find any anomaly to identify where a hole had previously been, been dug. And they found another area to excavate. There was a disturbance in the soil that seemed to match a grave size hole. And when they dug that area up, they found animal bones, but no human remains were there and nothing could be linked to the case. Okay. 
But this has been over 50 years since the children went missing. So something could have always been moved. Yeah. To this day, Harry Phipps remains the most probable suspect. And many investigators are positive that Harry Phipps was the man who spent the day with the children at that beach and then abducted and killed them. One of Phipps' other sons, Wayne, has said that he believes his father is innocent and that his brother Hayden was mentally ill and made up the allegations about his father. But, you know, you have to take everything in this with a grain of salt because it's like you don't know who's telling the truth. Right. Harry Phipps died in 2004. So unless any physical evidence is ever found, it's unlikely he'll ever be positively connected to the case. Today, there is still a $1 million reward for information leading to the safe return of the Beaumont children. This year, Jane would be turning 67, Arna 65, and Grant 62. That's so sad. Nancy and Jim Beaumont were devastated by the loss of their children, obviously. Mm -hmm. They remained in their home in South Australia for years, hoping that one day their kids may walk through the front door. And I thought that was interesting because we were just talking about in Thursday's case how the Kyle's family couldn't stay in the area. And we were talking about how some in some cases they don't want to leave. And in some cases they can't stay there. Yeah. But in this case, they stayed there for years and years, just hoping that one day they'd come home. Yeah. Nancy and Jim fully cooperated with the investigation and fully explored every lead that came up. In 1990, against their wishes, newspapers published age-progressed photos of the children. And this just devastated the Beaumonts because they were like, why do you have to put us through this, seeing what our kids would have looked like? Like... I get the, you know, if they're still alive, but pretty much everybody believes they were murdered. So it's like, why do that? Especially when the Beaumont said they didn't want that done. Don't do it. Yeah. If the family says don't do it, like, you should respect that. Exactly. The couple eventually divorced and lived separately, Mm -hmm. having accepted that their kids' disappearances would likely never be solved. Nancy passed away at the age of 92 in September 2019 in a nursing home. Jim Beaumont passed away at the age of 97 on April 9th, 2023. Oh my gosh. And they never got answers. That's so, God, they lived so long. It's like they couldn't give up the hope that their kids would be found. 57 Mm. years. The Beaumont children disappearance has remained the longest unsolved missing persons case in Australian history. And it is believed they are no longer alive. And a lot of hope for their case to be solved has kind of fizzled out, but it's never completely gone. You know, investigators have never closed the case. They've never said that it's never going to be solved. And a lot of people do believe that Harry Phipps is the one who abducted them. It just all seems to match up. He matches the sketch, like his actual picture matches the sketch, but also he matches the description and the age, the one pound notes. He had that factory nearby. His son reported seeing kids that he believed were the Beaumont kids at the house that day. Like it just, a lot of it matches and he definitely is the most likely and probable suspect that a lot of people believe to have been involved. But 
unfortunately there's not much they can do no, to like where are them. they then you know yeah i mean it does make a lot of sense that they would be on that property because it's probably a pretty large property i would assume yeah but yeah and i don't know who i couldn't find like who owns it now and if they can you know excavate the whole property or anything yeah. but also the children like the bodies could have been moved mm-hmm. so you never really know and unfortunately if they were just buried in the dirt and not buried in like a, a an actual like coffin they're just bones now and yeah. it's unlikely like the, that could have easily been moved especially right. if harry phipps started to see that there was like suspicion pointed at him yep got scared so. But yeah, it's it's so heartbreaking. I can't believe it's been 57 years and they're still missing. I know. And all three of your kids. I yeah. can't imagine. I know. And a lot of people in Australia have followed the case closely for years. And unfortunately, it likely won't ever be solved unless they find something physical. But you never know. Maybe they're the the searches of the prop the factory property have been recent and it seems like there's kind of still interest in that so maybe that will continue and one day they'll find something um but as far as like suspects and people who can connect suspects unfortunately pretty much everyone's passed passed away yeah yeah so but that is the story of the disappearance of jane arna and grant beaumont and it's so so heartbreaking but it's one that um I wanted to tell and honestly when I started the research I didn't realize there was such a solid suspect in the case like I really thought it was like here's a couple suspects but we don't really know but after doing my research I truly this is just my personal opinion no one sue Mm -hmm. me but I do believe that Harry Phipps was involved yeah but that is all I have for you guys today thank you so much for listening we'll see you next time and until then keep it human bye